This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Abram Games has been recognized as one of the best 20th century graphic designers. His career spanned over six decades, and he created some of Britain's most iconic images. His son, Daniel Games, joins me now to tell me more about his late dad's astounding career. Daniel, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. For asking me. I have a book with me called Abram Graham's Graphic Design, Maximum Meaning, Minimum Means, written in conjunction with your sister, Naomi Games. And in it, Naomi describes her earliest memories of sitting in your dad's studio. And I wondered if you had similar memories and what of your childhood and what he was like. I think my earliest memory is probably being bathed by my dad and uh, being wiped dry across his knee and bawling like mad. I think that's probably my first memory. We were three children. I'm the oldest and uh, two sisters, one of whom lives in Israel. Yeah, that's probably my earliest memory. And uh, he worked at home. So his studio was at the back of the house with a, a northern light because he liked the evenness of the light. And um, we were often in and out of his studio. He was a man who could uh, concentrate very strongly. He didn't like to be disturbed when he was working. And sometimes if my mother called him for lunch, he wouldn't hear her. He would just carry on working. And he would go over and over and over developing a design with small drawings until he achieved the perfect design. He... um, only ever gave one design to a client. He didn't give them a choice. And if they were to ask why that was the case, he said, well, this is the logical conclusion, and I've come at it through a a process of elimination, and this is the one that should be used. If you don't think it's suitable, go to another designer. So he was very black and white in those terms and uh, always knew what he wanted. He was not a man who had shades of grey. He had very strong opinions and um, a very strong moral sense, I think you could say. Daniel, he also sounds like quite a character in terms of, I mean, you've just described how definitive he was and how certain he was about his work. Um, He also sounded like he had great integrity and didn't take instruction lightly either. He didn't take fools gladly. If you were to uh, come to our house on Ed of Shabbat, and um, the house was always full of people. And he was to ask you whether you would have coffee or tea. And if you were to answer, I don't mind, he would say, coffee or tea? So he was, (laughs) as I say, a very black and white person who didn't suffer fools gladly. In terms of his work, I mean, he, he, his work spanned, I think, six decades. When he started out, um, graphic designing isn't what we know today, you know. Was it kind of a, a cutting-edge kind of profession, something that not many people went into? I don't think many people went into it, and it wasn't. A, it was really the only means of communication, in a way, besides the radio. There was no television, there was no internet. And he wanted to get a message across as best he could. He didn't like lettering. For that reason, his posters do the job of lettering. He tries to do with with the minimum lettering. It's something he hated doing. The earlier posters uh, of artists before him used images and then the words were added on afterwards. So, for example, early travel posters would show a a seaside resort, and then he would say, see South End by train. That would be added later. 
to an artwork. But he wanted to make the image as compact and direct as possible so that it would do the job. And maybe in looking through my dad's book, you, that's what you saw. Is, is that the case? Also, um, what I didn't realize is your dad did the, I think she's called the blonde bombshell, the image. And I don't know if you can describe it better than what I can, probably, probably you're more familiar with it, but it's something that I'd seen often before and kind of associated with World War II, but never realized it was your dad that did it or kind of the thought process that went behind it. And I wonder if you can share that story. But firstly, describe it and then share the story. The poster shows a, a very attractive blonde woman in a forage cap to join the ATS. The ATS was the, uh, the women's military service. And the head of the ATS was a, a woman called, I think, Knox Johnson, as I remember. And um, the uniform of, of, the, of this service is rather dowdy. And she introduced a new kind of cap, a forage cap, which was much more glamorous. It attracted a lot of, a lot of recruits, consequently. And um, Dad was uh, the war office poster designer, the only poster designer they had. And um, he had an office in a studio in the war office. And he was thinking about how to do this poster and thinking and thinking and thinking. And then a, a very attractive young woman walked into his studio requesting a poster for the local dance. He said, don't bother me. I'm, I'm too busy. <laughs> this is the middle of the blitz. And uh, I have an important job here. And then he looked at her and he found she was rather attractive. And he said that she was 19, by the way. And I think he was 23 or something. And um, he said, look, I've got an idea. If you pose for me for this poster, I'll um, do your dance poster. So she posed for it. And the poster was a, a real humdinger. And it was considered too sexy and it was banned and it was discussed in Parliament. A woman called Selma Cazalet, who was a, a rather frumpy English MP, uh, said, well, this is far too glamorous, it's far too sexy and we can't have a poster like this. Our girls should be patriotic and et cetera, et cetera. So in the end, uh, the poster was banned, as several of his posters were. They were banned for different reasons. This one was banned for being too sexy. Other posters were banned for being too left-wing, too political. And although my father was a socialist, wasn't a communist. <laughs> he was a man who believed that um, British society was changing. And indeed, during the war, people realized that society was split. Don't forget, we were and still are a class-ridden society. And this was illustrated when he was given a brief later. The brief was, your country, fight for it now. And dad had an assistant called Frank Newbold, who was older than he was. And Newbold did a poster showing a bucolic England with a, a shepherd and sheep, etc. That was his vision of, of England. And Dad picked up on the new architecture that was coming out, a lot of it with Jewish architects who were refugees from Germany. And he put these buildings into his posters. And in one of the posters, he showed a new building, new development, and behind it, a bombsite with a boy with rickets. And this poster was up at an exhibition and somebody walked in and he was one of Churchill's emissaries. And he said, oh, he said, uh, Winnie won't like this poster. And my dad said, well, why? He said, because it shows a boy with rickets. And Churchill had said, you know, rickets is a 
disease of poverty. We don't have poverty in this country. And dad said, well, that's not true because in France, it's known as the English disease. And it's a, a disease of a, a mineral deficiency, vitamin D, you know, sunlight. So this poster was also banned. And uh, several of his posters met that fate. But they were good posters. I think correct, Daniel, in saying that his poster, the ATS young woman, did make it to light of day and became oh. one of the most important posters, if not iconic. Well, that word iconic is banded around a lot. But this poster went up for auction. Dad had lost touch with this woman after many, many years. And at the auction was the woman, now an elderly woman. The poster went for four figures. I mean, it went for an incredible amount. And uh, he signed it and she signed it. As you say, it is uh, an iconic poster. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> Firstly, your dad was recognized for his contribution to graphic design in the country. Can you tell me a little bit about that? After the war, he uh, did many more posters. He designed tons of posters for the war. But after the war, he didn't really, the posters he did best were the posters that had some kind of moral purpose. But he realized that in order to earn a living, he had to design for companies and for products. So did a lot of different things. He did posters for the, he did a poster for the Festival of Britain, the symbol for the Festival of Britain. He designed postage stamps. He was a product designer. He redesigned the Kona coffee machine, which is a classic now. It's still manufactured in Germany. It's a collector's piece. And he designed a copying process, which used no electricity and could be put into a pocket. And of course, this was all superseded when, when computers came on the scene and um, purely mechanical things were no longer uh, regarded at all. So it never really reached fruition. But had it done so, it would have been a tiny little copier that you could um, just pop in your pocket and dispose of when you needed to. I am very fortunate that I've got a copy of the book of his work. If anybody was interested in learning more about his work or seeing his work, there have been exhibitions in the past, am I correct? Many. There have been exhibitions in Israel, in uh, Denmark, uh, many in Britain, and um, many, many different countries, in fact. He, there is a, a website, and if anybody were to go to Wikipedia and look him up, they would, they would find the website and they would find the productions of his posters. Daniel, what do you think the legacy your dad left behind is? Well, you must really ask my sister about that because she is the guardian of the family memory, the custodian. And um, she's worked very hard to make sure that uh, dad's name is, is known. She's worked very hard and she's arranged exhibitions. And we now have um, what's called a blue plaque on uh, dad's house, which is just a few doors down the road from my house. And um, this plaque was put there by English Heritage. They're plaques which commemorate the fact that people had lived in, in these particular places. So he has a blue plaque and he also has a postage stamp as well with his image on it. And um, he once designed posters for, uh, once designed postage stamps for the 1948, I think it was, Olympic Games. And he said his stamp was the only stamp that was signed that had the name Games on it because it was for the Olympic Games. Just to end up, I mean, his, his original name wasn't Abram spelt A-B-R-A-M Games, G-A-M-E-S. His original name was? Well, since he was Jewish, he said, I don't want any ham in my name. <laughs> so he, 
he shortened it from Abraham to Abram. And the games part? The games part, well, of course, we're all Litvaks, and it would have been G-A-M-S-E. And, of course, Gamze Litova, Gamze Yavo, and, uh, <laughs> and lots of legends tied to that, as you probably well know. So, uh, yes, and his parents were, um, of course, immigrants. They were refugees, many Jews, and they lived in the east end of London. And uh, my grandfather, dad's father, was a photographer. And he'd been a photographer in, in the Russian army, and he set up in the east end of London uh, as a photographer. And uh, dad used his studio. In fact, he slept in the studio. They were very poor, as many East End Jews were. And um, I don't think anyone in my family was ever very wealthy. Nobody cared much about money. It, wasn't a, it was necessary, but it wasn't a priority. And that's usually the case, fine, with artists. Maybe not the really successful ones, but, but all the others. And I think that uh, probably was the best, one of the very best poster designers this country has ever known. And he was also in the, the tradition of French poster designers like Cassandre and uh, Paul Collin, and an American poster designer called McKnight Kaufer, who uh, was active before my father. And uh, dad admired these poster designers very much and uh, looked up to them, in fact. He was autodidact. He was self-taught. Daniel, we've run out of time, but I have so enjoyed chatting to you. I've so enjoyed learning more about your dad, Abram Gaines. And, um, yeah, he sounds like an incre- he was an incredible character, super talented, super funny, super, super integrity. And thank you so much for sharing a bit about him. Yeah, a pleasure. Thank you. That was you. Daniel Gaines, the son of um, iconic uh, graphic designer from the UK, Abram Gaines.